you have an idea, you've really got nothing to lose by doing it. You'll have some challenges and things get tough and you have to make sacrifices. But if you don't do it, it won't happen. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups here in sunny Western Australia. We talk to startups, entrepreneurs and innovators who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it. My name is Danelle Cross. And I'm Chris Tan. Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that we record this podcast on the land of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Startup West podcast is brought to you by Startup News, thanks to support from sponsors Spacecubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. And on this episode, we talk with Stephen Cornish, the founder of Pentanet, a WA tech company delivering the next generation of internet connectivity and entertainment technologies. Hi, Stephen, and welcome to Startup West. How are you going? Yeah, great. It is fantastic to have you here. Right, we're going to kick off straight up. And can you tell us about Pentanet, the story of how you got the business up and running and where you're at with it now? Yeah, okay. Big uh, question. Big questions. <laughs> lots of them. Um, so look, Pentanet, we're a telecommunications company. Um, primarily telecommunications, although we're involved in gaming also. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Pentanet effectively, we uh, we focus on the wireless space. Mm-hmm. So we have probably, it, it's the largest fixed wireless network in Perth. So when I say fixed wireless, it's it's a different method to connect to the internet, uh, which is kind of why it came around. Uh, but effectively, we have these like mobile towers and buildings and very, you know, water towers and that sort of thing all across Perth with um, fiber optics running between them all. And our customers connect directly to our network um, via a dish that's, you know, it's a small dish on the roof of their house. And um, that's kind of the, the gist of what we do in telecommunications. Um, mm. we, we implement this new technology, which we call Nexus, which is a, um, it's basically a distributed mesh network. So all of our subscribers kind of become part of the network. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of doing so is that they can tap into much, much faster speeds. Yeah. So it's effectively, it, it's in its phase one now, so it, it's getting deployed, uh, but it will effectively be like a, a alternative to fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's much faster speeds and, and lower latency. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also own 5G spectrum. So we're in the process of converting all of our towers in Perth to 5G as well. Mm-hmm. But really, we're just a rare telco that focuses on connecting users in better ways. Uh, they're all kind of next-gen mediums. And um, it kind of is the reason why we exist is mm. because I, you know, created the network because I initially just built the one tower for myself, you know, because I, I like playing online games and was trying to find a solution. Amazing. <laughs> um, so I've, I've, I've heard part of this story before. So you created your own um, tower so you could get better speeds at League of Legends. League of Legends, yeah. Um, can you tell me more about this process? How did you how did you get to that thought of creating your own? I think, well, it kind of comes, I think a lot on a lot of different things. And in this particular one, I was thinking about how to connect better. So I was living in a house that had, um, I had MBN. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first time I discovered what was on the back end of telecommunications because you know, my internet would always drop out and not being one to just sit on my hands when that happened, I found that um, there was a thing on my street called a pillar where all the copper connects and I, I knew that this thing was there and I found that when my internet dropped out, I would quickly run out to it and I'd find the tech there connecting up people's MBNs and because it was a high-density um, suburb, there wasn't enough what we call pairs for all the houses. 
So quickly I learned that like, okay, when my NBN dropped out, I could quickly run to that pillar and find the tech there and tell him to quickly reverse what he was doing. Um, sometimes took a carton to get him to do it. <laughs> but, no, I was very keen to get my internet back. But it was kind of the first time I saw and started to explore what was on the back end of telecommunications. So when I, I moved from that house and I no longer had that connection, even though it was patchy, I went on to a connection where I only had ADSL. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so I was playing League of Legends. That's primarily what I liked to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like any online gamer, you want to have a good stable connection. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have that. And so I was just trying to find um, if there was a different way to connect online. Mm -hmm. And so this was several years ago when um, fixed wireless wasn't really known yeah. as a thing. Um, so I started exploring fixed wireless. There was other like small, small operators coming into the space as well. So I was, I was curious. Um, and so I started modeling what this would look like. Mm. And, you know, I kind of put the business plan and the model together to be like, well, hey, this technology is kind of here and, you know, it's at a good price point for the performance. You know, what could this look like at scale? And so I remember I kind of modeled just on a spreadsheet what all these things would cost and, you know, there's a tower near me. I could like what the rent is to get on that sort of thing. Um, and I remember it was just a light bulb moment. Like when I put mm. it all together, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so I actually sold a house in Woodvale, which was the thing that I'd been saving up and mm. building. Um, <clears throat> and then I put all that money into, you know, investing into the first, uh, the first tower. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the system worked and this back in the day, this was me just, you know, I used to knock on doors and so you have to be very close to the tower within yeah. a few kilometers yep. and you have to be able to see the tower. So it's yep. very limited the amount of people that you can serve from a tower. So, you know, after I had the tower, I'd be like knocking on doors trying to sell internet and, um, you know, lots of doors closed in my face because mm. that was too foreign a concept. Um, but eventually I started getting inquiries and and the name was kind of getting out there and, um, you know, it came to, to pass that I was getting inquiries from all over Perth outside mm. of where my tower mm. was. And so, you know, as I started to fill up the tower I had and kind of prove up the business model, um, it kind of began the path that I needed to go and, you know, scale this business and, you know, go rattle the tin, as they say, um, <laughs> to go and try build more towers. And Stephen, was that just yourself doing that at this stage? And, and when was it? When were you doing this? How long ago? This would have been 2017. Yeah. So it was just, mm -hmm. yeah, it was myself at the time. I'm very close with Tim, my brother. Mm -hmm. um, he's got an accounting background. Mm -hmm. So he was there, you know, help, helping with the modelling and that sort of thing. Um, uh, but, yeah, early on I was just kind of me driving around trying to find new towers. And, and new customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And so 2017, can you talk us through now where you're at in 2023 with Pentanet? Yeah, so now we are, so we're a publicly listed ASX company. Um, like I mentioned before, we've got the largest, you know, private fixed wireless network, you'd say, here in Perth. We own 5G Spectrum, so we've got a really nice clear runway forward where we can grow as a telco and then the sort of market we can capture here in Perth. Mm. And we've got the Nexus product, which is um, the, the largest of its kind in the world, what we've deployed here in Perth so far. Um, and then we're also the exclusive provider of NVIDIA GeForce Now, which is NVIDIA's cloud gaming platform. And so we service GeForce Now nationally with infrastructure in Perth and Sydney, um, and we've got big plans for that product as well. Um, and we also own, you know, quite a successful um, relative to the scene uh, and esports team where we have, we've got a professional League of Legends team now. So I've kind of, I've gone full circle now. 
from playing the game to now having a team. Uh, I'm I'm still bad myself. A winning team, right? Isn't it? Yeah, they, yeah, we we win, we lose some games, but we win. <laughs> and how big is your team, Stephen? Uh, so the team consists of five players. You have a sub, you have management mm-hmm. and coach, um, and then they they operate in the the league, mm-hmm. which is the official league from right. Yeah. Um, and so we play. There's there's eight teams in the league. It used to be called OCE in the Oceanic Region. Um, but we, yeah, we play those, um, all the other teams throughout the two splits at the start and end of the year. And we've just finished split two, um, where we, we came second. So we went up against the top team, which was, they were undefeated all season, but it was, (laughs) yeah, we went over to Melbourne to watch the grand final and it was, that was actually a real surreal experience because it was a stadium, Mm. you know, full of people and, um. Everyone was just, I didn't realize how big the PGG or the pentanet.gg fan base was. Yeah. But seeing it in person and just hearing, so cool. you know, you started a business <laughs> and now there's a, a, you know, an arena full of people chanting that name. It was, Especially because it was pivotal to the beginning of, you know, your story. Yeah, it's yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it really right. is. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and that's fabulous. also where the name comes from. So Pentanet, like I wanted to build with the advent of 5G and better wireless technologies, you know, five is Penta, mm-hmm. but also in gamer language, um, for the for the normies out there, um, a penta is a it's called a pentakill. So say in League right. of Legends, it's okay. a five v five. If you ah, if you I take see. someone out, it's a kill, and then you take see. two, it's a double kill, triple kill, quadra kill. But if you single handedly, you know, are able to defeat the the rest of the team yourself, it's a pentakill. So a penta in gaming is like the best thing you can do. So a, a network that both is five G and a gaming network. It's, that name came to me at 3 a.m. one morning also. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, I jumped out of bed. It was like 3 a.m. I was like, oh, Pentanet. I was like, that's it. And the next day in my group chat with my friends, um, I, I said, oh, I think I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, what do you think about Pentanet? And one guy said, oh, you know, it doesn't really stick. And that guy was Connor, <laughs> who now is the CIO of Pentanet. <laughs> <laughs> He's obviously coming. <laughs> yeah. It rolls off the tongue, I think. <laughs> All right. So in terms of funding, have you um, bootstrapped? Have you injected? So how did you start yeah, to begin with? Early, mm. the funding is definitely um, a requirement to build mm. a telco. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, I had that um, equity that I built up in my mm-hmm. house. Um, so we kind of used that. Um, that was enough to kind of build a tower to, you know, it was enough to kind of start proving out the business case. And then like any startup, you know, it's the next people to invest are the ones closest to you that, you know, believe in you mm. and want to see you succeed. Um, so there was, you know, friends and family. Um, my parents actually, so my, my family, we're first-gen migrant family from mm-hmm. South Africa. Mm-hmm. I, I was born here. But, yeah, my dad worked probably up until, um, you know, his late 40s. And his, his first job here was a world book salesman. Um so, you know, very, very hardworking, uh, our family. Uh, but he actually went out on his own and started a business later in life, um, which we saw and experienced um, through our teenage years. But w- for the limited resources we had, which is effectively like their super, mm. um, you know, that they put that into the business as mm. well. But I structured, I structured it all in a way that was like, you know, there's right corporate governance and there was X amount of mm. shares on issue. Mm. And um, so it was all structured in the right way. But comparatively to the resourcing we need these days, this is all still quite small, relatively immaterial capital. Um, And then, you know, my uh, in-laws as well put the same amount in. You know, we're talking collectively it was a couple of hundred grand, you know, 
and I had already put in about the 100 from my house. Mm-hmm. Then they were about two years in and half a million dollars in at this point. Um, and again, like other friends and family and, um, yeah, it was it was tough because you, you just can build like one tower at a time, mm-hmm. like you build it out, mm-hmm. and then, but you're constantly shifting from going from like the operator of the business to becoming this, um, you know, the requirement of like continually raising capital yeah. to grow. Yeah, it's exhausting. Mm. Yeah, mm. very. <laughs> mm. So with with the story of um, of how you've put everything together, um, when was there a moment or a pivotal moment when you knew it was going to work? I think the pivotal moment where I knew it was going to work, like uh, most entrepreneurs would relate to, is like when you have the concept. Like I know it's it's a funny it's a funny concept that in itself, but you know when you when you visualize something in your mind and you you know that that's what you want to do, like that's the point that you need to know that it's going to work because mm. there's a whole lot of tenacity and failure and fallings that you're going to have to get through to you know, to still continue to try and make it work. And, and even now, like, I still consider there's a lot more I need to do mm. to, like, make it successful and make it work. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, everything's relative. You know, in the first instance, it was like you know, getting the gear on the first tower. Like, that's that's a really exciting thing. Mm. Um, you know, but then those things all kind of become relative to what you do today. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's actually quite good to reflect on it the is. little things that used to you know, give you those wins like yeah, back in the day. so true. What about some of the hurdles and difficulties? Can you talk us through those and how you've overcome them over the last six or so years? Yeah, look, there's been Many, massive hurdles. Sure. Oh, like early days, like, like I mentioned with the initial funding, mm. that took a lot of time yeah. to even put together and yeah. then that has its limitations and um, it's it's certainly not enough to build a telecommunications company. Um, so... I remember it was a it was a Christmas probably like after the first year was like when I did my first um, it was kind of like a pitch or an int- it was a high net worth individual um, he didn't invest but that was kind of the first time you know I kind of went in bright eyed bushy tail be like here's yep. my business like thinking like of course I can make sense why wouldn't anyone invest in it mm. um, but the the initial hurdle really was like making sure that you didn't have more than you know one week or two weeks or a month mm. of money left, yep. you know, and that that's that can be stressful, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But it was quite, you know, the initial hurdle of getting funded, it probably it took about a year and probably um, over 80 pitches, I'd say, or just like meetings and conversations and everything to like finally get the first thread of like the wow. initial like external capital investment. Um, so prior to that, the challenges were just always just, you know, you, you're trying to manage your resources, mm. manage your yeah. cash yeah, um, and keep the lights on while you're still trying to grow. Um, you know, I think looking back, I, I think I was probably the 15th person in the company to actually get paid. Mm-hmm. I was I was working two jobs to be able to, I was selling real estate. So, and then all the money I was getting from that was like going directly to the, the first staff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, we had challenges early on from um, even getting on locations, getting on sites. Um, there were a lot of challenges early on with like other operators and like, you know, the competitive landscape of this mm-hmm. emerging market. Um, and really the challenges haven't stopped. They've just mm-hmm. all changed in scope and 
Some days I wish I could go back to like the early challenges because they, <laughs> they seem easy. They were now. the biggest, yeah, yeah. They were the biggest challenge I'd yeah. ever faced at the time. Of course, yeah. But reflecting on them now, they were like the funnest time. Mm. So, Stephen, having your business in um, as a internet service provider, obviously there are um, there's competition out there for you. Um, what's one of the main reasons, or what keeps you up at night um, in this sort of market? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so what keeps me up at night is a common question. I get asked a lot <laughs> by um, the investment market as well. <laughs> um, I find that, like, firstly, what keeps me up is, like, playing computer games <laughs> on, on the weekend. Yep. Still League of Legends. Yeah, yeah, although it, it, it does irritate me as a game. Um, <laughs> it's I, a whole other podcast on Yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah, we'll, we'll go into that. Um, but, no, I, I find, like, my personality is more around um, – I, I, like I'm quite resilient to stress. Like I don't get stressed. Although like I'm sure that reflects in different ways and my close friends and family would know when I'm stressed. Um, but, you know, I've always been quite good and efficient at like problem solving. Um, so to the to the question, not I, I do still sleep when I need to sleep. Um, but some of the challenges uh, that we have, you know, Pentanet's such a heavy um, infrastructure-focused mm. business. And we kind of get like um, put into the, as much as, yes, we're a tech company, we build good tech, um, but we're really heavily infrastructure focused, which mm. is very capital intensive. Mm. Um, so I'd say like one of the bigger challenges, I think you asked like a current challenge, mm. um, it's very challenging to be listed currently in the market currently as a, you know, a high growth company. Um, you know, a few years ago, they were looked in favor because, you know, there, was, there weren't many places where um, investment capital could go with interest rates and whatnot being so low. But now, um, you know, if you're what we call a cash burn business, so you can either be a cash producer or a cash burner, which most startups and growth companies are cash burning, they're not looked as favorably in the market. Mm -hmm. So you have seen a big shift um, in, you know, I'm talking about equity markets here, yeah. where a lot of the capital's moved into the cash producing businesses, like the much more lower risk you know, mm. high growth has kind of come off a bit, yeah. which does make it challenging because mm. we are still a high growth business. Like we need to deploy capital to grow. Mm. And, um, you know, the reason why we listed or why we're public is mm. because you do effectively have access to equity markets, like if you need uh, capital. So one of the current challenges we're facing is, you know, because we're so close um, to our, you know, EBITDA positive or break even. And, you know, once you hit that mark, you, you open up, a whole new mm. set of different funding mechanisms like, you know, you get easy access to debt. So one of the challenges we have at the moment is, you know, probably looking at ways that we can um, implement some cost controls into the business to try to reach that break even quicker Quickly. so that we can unlock other sources of funding. Because if we want to use the equity markets for that funding, um, it would be quite punitive uh, currently with the way the market is. Mm. And like any founder, you know, you and and, you know, a director who's, you know, protective of their shareholder interests, um, you know, you want to try preserve and, you know, avoid dilution where possible. Yeah. And what about the plans for Pentanet for the next few years? Can you tell us about those? Yeah. So we've got, so we're in the throes of upgrading all of our towers to Nexus, which mm -hmm. is our mesh network. Um, we have over 13,000 people who have registered to join that network. So that's, that's a big infrastructure project in itself. Mm. Um, and then we've, you know, we've, we own, it was about $8 million we spent on 5G spectrum. 
So we obviously want to we want to get that infrastructure out there as quickly as possible mm. to get that revenue generating and start paying that back. Um, so, you know, over the next few years, we'll be, again, with all these like funding things sorted, we'll be more aggressively building out the 5G coverage. Um, so our, our, what I refer to as our legacy network, so mm. the, the network that got us to where we are now, mm. pre-Nexus, pre-5G, you know, that, that's got, you know, over we've got over 50 towers and our um, the capacity across all of those towers is around 10,000 users. So, and th- those are users that we call on net or users that can mm-hmm. connect directly mm-hmm. to us. We have more users than that, but over MBN. Um, so we need to, we need to figure out a way to um, grow more capacity because yeah. 10, 10,000 users, that's about 1% of the Perth market. Yeah. Mm. We currently have around 2%. Yeah. Um, but with the introduction of these new technologies across our existing tower assets, mm. um, we'll be able to effectively service, you know, between 10 and 20% of the Perth um, you know, market. Yeah, the Perth yeah. market. Yeah. Um, and so the Perth market being about a million addressable users, yeah. um, you know, that would see us, you know, if, if we can make that happen and sure it would take capital to deploy and connect those users. Um, but that, you know, over 10% of the Perth market mm. would be in excess of 100 million. Revenue. Yeah. So we've got that to do in the next few years from a telecommunications perspective. Mm. Um, and then we also want to grow um, our cloud gaming business. Yep. Yep. So we just announced the other day that we're, we're nearing finalization of our renegotiation with um, NVIDIA. And so we're going to be bringing the next gen of cloud gaming to Australia as well. So currently, and I should probably, are you guys familiar with cloud gaming? I, you know I am a bit. A little bit, <laughs> but please tell so, us. Yeah. So cloud gaming is an easy relationship. It's like kind of like what Netflix was to blockbusters and stuff. So at the moment, like if I want to play a computer game or a video game, mm-hmm. um, I need to have a console or I need to have a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, what cloud gaming is, it's it's a technology called cloud computing and it takes all that horsepower requirement, you know, because within this computer or console that you game on, there's a thing called a GPU, uh, which is, you know, renders the graphics. So it takes, we, we have all of that horsepower. So we have thousands and thousands of GPUs and processors in the cloud or in a data center yeah. mm. and we can render and basically power thousands of people playing at any one time and we stream that back to them directly. So rather than someone needing a computer or a console to play games, mm. they just need, rather, you know, so rather than having that heavy upfront cost of a computer or, a, you know, a console, you just pay a subscription. And so you're tapping into this capacity that we have and we have, you know, thousands and thousands of users on that capacity. Um, and then we, so say someone has an input, like they move their mouse, because the internet's now so fast, it goes up to the cloud and then streams the video back to you and it does it so quickly that it's indistinguishable from having the infrastructure next to you. So that's, this is a massive new um, mm. industry and, you know, definitely will, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, one day computers won't exist to the point that, you know, say if a, a kid these days saw a, you know, a three and a half inch floppy drive or something, they wouldn't really know mm. what that is. Mm. Um, I think the same will be said for the computer. Mm. We're looking at a computer, they'll be like, what? Like, mm-hmm. I thought, doesn't the computer live in the internet? Or, you know, you'll be explaining <laughs> yeah. that, yeah, we used to like have these big boxes next to the desk. Like that, if if you can like visualize what the future of technology looks like, that has to be like a given. And and this is just the, the introduction of like that technology. So we're going to be very focused in the next few years in building that. Mm. We have over a quarter of a million people across Australia and New Zealand who have signed up. So they've got an account with us. We, we call them our active audience. Um, and then we have, you know, monthly active users and, 
You know, we're in the process of trying to get more people onto paid accounts because like all new industries, you've got to, you know, give it for free for a while and yep. let people get mm. used to it. Convert. Um, and then introduce new plans and tiers. Mm. And so currently, I'm sorry, I did a long-winded story explaining the technology, <laughs> but currently our technology that we have in Perth and Sydney, you can game at 1080 resolution at 60 frames. So it's quite like, it's like a con- basic console experience that you're replacing. But the new gen gear that we're bringing, um, it's called 3080. So it'll actually give you a 3080 graphics card in the cloud. And um, so it allows you to um, do 2K and 4K streaming at, you know, at high refresh rates, which is kind of the, that's where you need to be. Mm. If you want to, if you want to access the the PC gaming market, mm-hmm. you know, they help, they have like an expectation of needing to game in higher than 1080. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that th- those two things alone are probably enough work for the next few years, but we do have, Several other projects that we're working on. Too. <laughs> I'm sure. Big goals, big <laughs> yeah, goals. Absolutely. Excellent. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist, and Tech On. Stephen, can we take you back through your career from your school days? Um, I think actually you mentioned earlier you and no, you are uh, West Australian, born and raised, correct? I was born in Sydney, but we oh. moved here when I was three. So I'm very much from Perth. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you go to school, Stephen? Uh, so when we first got here, I went to Devalia Primary mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I got pulled out of there to go to St. Stephen's. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, I love St. Stephen's, but more the sense that I had to leave at the end of year five. So that was also difficult. You know, I had to go and make new friends because yeah. I've got two older brothers. So they were mm, starting right. high school. So, uh, so it made more sense made for us sense. to all go to the same school. Um, so I went to St. Stephen's um, from year six mm-hmm. and then through to the high school there. Um, and then th- this one isn't as widely known, but I'm one of the classic, you know, high school dropouts. So I didn't actually finish high school. Mm-hmm. I went through to the end of year 11 and then um, I went and did an apprenticeship. As a oh, as fabulous. a fitter turner, oh wonderful! Or, or as the, you know the it's the trade certificates as mechanical engineering tradesperson. No, that's yeah. cool. And what were you interested in at school? Like what subjects were you good at? I'm fascinated by this. What subjects were you good at? And did you have sort of any entrepreneurial spirit that you think? I mean, you, you've talked a bit about problem solving, so I'm yeah. interested to know <laughs> if you think, or maybe I should be asking your parents if you think that um, <laughs> <laughs> that that had come out you know, when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Look, I I think I've always kind of been entrepreneurial. Um, mm. You know, I used to sell lollies and have yep. shops and I don't know if I should say, but I, I was... Um, <laughs> say it. Oh, no. <laughs> say it. <laughs> I think my first thing that I did, I won't call it a business, because, but um, I was one of the first kids that had a CD banner. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, without going into too much detail, I interacted with that in the Quokka I was 11. I didn't know what I was doing, but yeah. um, that was kind of my first yeah. business until I got in, in in trouble for it. We we didn't realize at the time that it was what what I was doing, but I quickly stopped that. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I had um, probably my favorite subject subjects at school were you know, probably like science and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't. I don't know if it's because the first half of my life I didn't have glasses, and I think in hindsight I probably couldn't even mm. see the blackboard mm. for a lot of it. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I was the best student Yeah, um, because, you know, and, and I'm not promoting to do this in any way, but like I, don't, I didn't do a lot of homework and I was mm. very easily distracted. Mm. 
But, you know, looking back at it now, I think it's because I was always just thinking about, you know, bigger and wider things. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, I'm not sure what the, the so second So then you did your apprenticeship. So then yep. what happened after your apprenticeship? Yeah. So I did my apprenticeship mm. and um, so I, that took four years. Yep. Um, and so I did the apprenticeship and then, so the reason I did the apprenticeship, remember earlier I said, so dad stepped down and kind of started yep. his own business. Mm. And so like all, you know, family businesses, it's a small business, but you know, the three sons thought, okay, like, can we work, like mm -hmm. grow to be in the business? But he was um, quite strict in the sense that um, he, you know, we, we had to bring something to the table. Yeah. And so that business was kind of involved with engineering yep. and steel and, and forgings. Um, so um, I, I went and did the apprenticeship and, and that to kind of learn everything about like the mechanical trade and everything about steel and, and that sort of thing uh, to kind of go into that business. Um, so I did the apprenticeship for four years um, and then I was a journeyman for a year or two, so out there on my own. Um, and then I went into the, the family business and again just started from the bottom again. Yeah. So I worked there for a little while, built myself up to being the business development. Um, so I would have to do quite a bit of travel and, you know, kind of put my – Big boy boots on to a degree. Um, put your thing, suit on? Did you wear my, a suit, yeah. Stephen? <laughs> I, I think I had a polo. <laughs> but either way, I learned, um, you know, I was quite close to learning, um, you know, just a lot more about, about business. Business, yeah. And so yeah, my brother, because... who I mentioned before, Tim, who's who's an exec director on Pentanet board, mm -hmm. um, so he was the managing director of that business at that time. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got to work with Tim a bit there. Um, and then I kind of got to a point after a few years – you know, I'd been working since I was 17. I, I call it my quarter life crisis. <laughs> um, so my middle brother actually lives in Indonesia. So I went to go and um, visit him for a while. And it was actually when I got back, you know, I would have been in my mid-20s, I think. Um, and I got back. Oh, and like while I was working, that's when I'd been like paying down the Woodvale house and that sort of thing. Um, but I got back and I had this grand vision that I was going to, um, I wanted to, sell everything and put what I could into like, again, just another like wild idea, right? But buy, I wanted to get like a little boat and I had this, I'd never been on a yacht before and I'm not talking about <laughs> anything extravagant, but I wanted to, um, you know, sail sail the world or something like that. Um, I was probably just avoiding responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was actually during that time that I was back in Perth that, you know, I, I met my now uh, wife and, you know, kind of, tagging on to the, the earlier story and rather than, um, you know, by this time, which is some years later, rather than selling that house to get the yacht, that's, you know, that money went into a mobile tower. So <laughs> there I am. I just love your vision. Everything's possible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Stephen, based on your experience, uh, what advice would you give to Perth startups? Um, it's it's going to be like, it's going to be hard. It's very difficult. And you know, the things I was touching on before around like funding and the current market conditions, it also makes it a lot more harder mm -hmm. for startups. Like cash right now, um, which is what you'd be seeking to have invested in you, it's like a very precious resource to the people with it. And the reason being is because everything is so cheap right now. Mm. Like if, if you want to, if you have cash, you'd be buying, you know, very cheap stock and that sort of thing because mm. there's been this massive correction in the market. So there's a lot of... um uh, you know, just um, fight for capital kind of thing at the moment out there. 
So I'd say, you know, if you have a good idea, um, the first thing is, you know, just, you know, sometimes you just got to go with it. I, I kind of live a mentality that I, everything I do in my life, I think if I'm, say I'm live to be old and I'm on my deathbed or whatever, do I look back and, you know, what are, what are things I regret doing and what, what are the mm. things that I, I did do? And eventually, unfortunately, everyone gets there. So, you know, if you have an idea, like you've, you've really got nothing to lose by doing it, you'll have some challenges and things get mm. tough and you have to make sacrifices. Um, but if you don't do it, it won't happen. Um, following that, if you do do it, it's going to be challenging. And some of the biggest challenges will probably be finding like capital to start. Um, so you just got to do like, you got to, when people are looking to invest in things, you got to, um, it's called like the pub test. Like certain mm. things have to, you know, especially yeah. now with the difficult things got to pass the pub test. Like for example, you know, with Pentanet, I, I didn't pay myself. Like mm. it was me. I was the founder. I had the idea. I was out there knocking on the doors. I was on the roofs installing the things. I didn't take money out of the business. I worked in a second job to put money in. Like early on, um, as much as people invest in ideas and good ideas, which we certainly were, investors look more to invest in people mm -hmm. like early. So I think if you, you know, have a good idea and you go about it the right way and you have tenacity and you don't give up, like you can definitely make it. And yeah. equally being said, you know, if you're in Perth, um, Perth traditionally has been a bit more challenging with like the capital market. Like Perth, it's it's quite it's easier if you're in Perth to get involved in like mining or you know a lot of the investment community in Perth is you know if you're not digging a hole in the ground and taking something out of it like it doesn't off sometimes doesn't make a lot of sense or or there's no interest or if it's not property or that sort of thing so it can be challenging mm. and there is a um, you know sometimes there's a you do kind of get the calling that like hey my life might be a little bit easier on the east coast um, but you know, if you, you know, have your tenacity, you, you follow through, like you can get it mm. done here in Perth. Um, and there's there's also like a wide um, knowledgeable and supportive like investment community and um, that mm. here in Perth as well that's trying to see more success come to Perth. So yep. there's certain, certainly places you can go to get that support and just keep, just keep tracking, I think is my advice. Awesome. All right. We might move into our rapid fire round. Are you ready, Stephen? Yes. All right. Do you want to kick us off, Chris? Yeah, sure. Um, Stephen, what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? I think um, it's as equally as much like leadership and like doing the things you say you're going to do and following through on that. Um, but a business, you know, you can, you can get so far as one person, but you definitely need like people around you and you need to have good people around you that believe in the vision um, so you need to not only be able to articulate that vision, but you need to like continually prove and deliver on that vision to the people that follow you because ultimately they're, they're the ones that primarily help you get to where you want to be and you got to do that all together. Mm -hmm. so, and sorry to digress, but yeah, early on I carved out like a slice of the company and distributed that to all the early staff as well. So we're all mm -hmm. in it together. Yeah. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being? I think primarily what what startups need is like it's capital. Yeah. So I think it's like if you could wave a magic wand, it would be like having better access to the wider investment mm -hmm. market. Yeah. Which, you know, and you, you've seen it before, right? These companies that start and do go over east. Like mm -hmm. there is the reason for that. 
Um, there's a lot of supporting infrastructure for businesses that we need to grow here in Perth, like like em- employment and skills, and mm. that's because we lose a lot of that skill set to over east. So probably ma- waving a magical wand here would be to you know have a, a wider, larger um, skilled workforce here mm-hmm. that's not just going FIFO to the mines and that sort of thing and, and wanting to be involved in this sort of thing. And that would also be probably having a better um, access to that early capital that startups, you know, it's basically your oxygen. Yeah. Mm. So having a better access uh, to that. Talent capital. capital. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's right. Who do you most admire in the local tech scene? This could be a company or a person. I mean, it's hard to go far without acknowledging Lawrence um, mm-hmm. for VGW. That's just... Yeah, his success is like on a global stage. It's it's pretty wild. Um, so that's you know they've had really good success um, and definitely really good for Perth. Like it definitely puts Absolutely. us on the map. Um, yeah. Outside of that, it's a lot of the people I admire are actually like within my team. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a lot of people because early on, my first few staff were like good friends, and yeah, I think it's there's not many friends that don't work for me, which is also an interesting dynamic. <laughs> That's great. Um, but I admire, um, you know, them and I admire the, you know, the growth that I've seen in them over mm. the years because now awesome. we're all you know, executives of a publicly listed company and, and that's not easy and it definitely requires a lot of growth mm. because, you know, if you can't grow into that quite rapidly, you know, like most companies, they'll just, it's called parachuting. They just like parachute experience executives in. So it's, it's actually quite a testament to be able to like hold your own and mm. run and grow the mm. business to this scale with the founding staff. So I admire them also for that, if that counts. Yeah, absolutely counts, <laughs> absolutely. How can anyone listening help you? Um, well, they could sign up for Pentanet, I they guess. They could. <laughs> <laughs> um, give us, you know, first, yeah, like becoming a customer, but, mm-hmm. you know, warranting us as your provider by us, you know, having to, fulfill our commitment, which, which is being a good provider. Um, one of the challenges of being an internet service provider is, you know, when people's internet goes down, you you go, you become public enemy number one. <laughs> like, you know, and and they really, internet is this thing that for some reason, it, people put it way out of perspective if it goes down. Yeah. Right? Like, like we like get oxy- it. It's extremely like frustrating. Like I, I built my own network because I, <laughs> I also hate it going down, but... Um, you know, it, it, there's also equally a commitment that a customer should make to the provider about like giving like good productive support and feedback so that we can do better. That's, if you kind of get what I'm saying, it's like mm-hmm. one of the, one of the challenges is people can, you know, turn on a dime really if it's, so the things that people can do for us is like, yes, of course, become a customer. Mm-hmm. If you are a customer, like give us the supportive and constructive criticism that we need to grow. Um, and, um, you know, be patient when things can't, because we are, you know, people, people do see Pentanet out there and they're like, oh, Pentanet, it's like this big telco, like what, what's, you know, if something's going wrong, what do they, but it's like, no, we're, we're still like just a, we're a group of locals, um, you know, trying to build something that is better for, for them. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a, the solutions that don't exist currently in the market that we're really trying to create. Everything's novel and everything's new in the way that we do it. Um, but yeah, we do need to work together on yep. that. Um, and I think sometimes that gets lost because sometimes, you know, a few years ago, Pentanet was, you know, the, the darling garage 
into that company. We, we're still <laughs> that at heart, but mm-hmm. sometimes we get lumped into the same bucket as other providers that yeah. Yeah. probably have earned that like mantle of yeah. you know being too big to care or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, just kind of come to our services, check us out, and cool. cloud gaming. Sounds good. Those things can all help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some listeners would probably already sort of get an idea from this, but what uh, what do you do to get away from it all to relax and refresh? So, I mean, the probably obvious one is <laughs> to play games. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a relaxing one, but it definitely helps me to switch off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like to play games on the weekend. But one one other thing I really like to do, so one of my first jobs um, was a car detailer. I love cars. Like that's that's also mm-hmm. one of my, Passions. part of the pun or the driving forces. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, absolutely a passion. Yeah. And so um, I find that like washing cars and detailing cars is like a really great way that I switch off and just kind of have my own space. And, um, that's amazing. I, I, yeah. That's amazing. We've never had that answer before. Oh, washing cars? No, that's like <laughs> I, my worst job ever. I Tell me about it. I think <laughs> I thought about it and I thought like why is it? Yeah. And I think the reason is like every task in my life to do with work, it's it's never ending. And, you know, one thing might complete but there's like 10 other things that open up and, you know, you're building a business, mm. you're scaling a business. It's, it's not a task that you pick up and you complete and it ends. And so you kind of, you're consistently not getting like, you know, I, I, like I, I love my job, but like there's a lot about it where you don't complete that cycle of job satisfaction because mm-hmm. yep. there's always Get something that. else. Yeah. And so I thought about it while I was washing cars because <laughs> um, I have that time to think like washing a car is a simple thing where you can see a car is dirty and you can like begin the process. You can take your time. You can get that car clean and that the task completes. Yep. And so I think for me, it's as much around having a clean car as it is like the importance of having um, that job satisfaction of being able to complete yep. a task. And then you can stop and celebrate your success. Yes. And then exactly. drive it. And then drive it. Exactly. <laughs> and drive it off. Stephen, it has been absolutely fantastic to talk to you today. I've absolutely loved um, hearing your story and the story of Pentanet. And we wish you and your team all the best. And we hope you continue to grow and thrive in, in WA. No, thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks. And thanks to our sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is also made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and Techon. We recorded this podcast at the Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.